So another good weekend uh, out on the links on the golf course. The PGA Championship didn't uh, disappoint necessarily. It was quite a quite an absolute uh, meltdown on those uh, final nine, but really the final what two holes uh, for Pereira there, and uh, and then obviously it goes into the playoff. But that was wild. But that the one thing that and we can touch on that in a, in a second. But the one thing Mark that I wanted to open this with was Will Brinson of CBS Sports. Uh, said that he followed uh, John Daly for 18 holes. Uh, and he goes, he gives us a list of everything that John Daly put into his body for the full 18 holes. And the list goes 21 cigarettes, 12 Diet Cokes, six packs of peanut M&Ms, and 0.0 ounces of water. So Brinson uh, writes this on Twitter. I just, it was just absolutely hilarious. I saw that. And I mean, like someone could read that and be like, well, you know, how true is that? I honestly think this is very accurate. Like he was being pretty serious about it. I could very well see that this was the case. Like, I just, 21 I just love, is a lot though. That's a lot of cigarettes. I just love that. It's like that moment in animal house where he, the Dean Warner is reading the G, uh, the GPAs. <laughs> And he goes, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Blutarski. And then it cut to John uh, in Belushi in his face. And he's like, and he, you know, he's got the things in his nose. And he takes him out. He goes, Mr. Blutarski, 0.0. And like his GPA. <laughs> and that's like the water, 0.0. Uh, John Daly is a mythical creature. He's, a, he's uh, an incredible, incredible human being. I, I, John Daly is one of those people that, you know, he is so fun to watch, so fun to like in the wild. Uh, he's one of those like all time. If you ever have an inter encounter with him, I'm sure it's just one of those like a Bill Murray type of encounter where you're like, what just happened? Uh, he just fantastic. And the fact that he is still honestly pretty competitive at some of these majors. Like, I mean, he played, he almost made the cut. Like, he did, I think he did better than, uh, than Scotty Scheffler. And who also missed the cut, who just won the Masters and everything goes into it. I, I have some golf rants, and um, uh, but John Daly is just mythical. He's just mythical. I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand how that man's alive, uh, let alone still playing golf. How's Keith? How's Keith Richards alive and still playing concerts? They're the no, same exactly. guy. It's They're like the same guy. defy any sort of understanding of how the universe works. Medical science. They are. Their bodies defy medical science. Can I just say this about golf? And this is my this is my hottest take on golf. And I I have I've had golf purists who follow me and my and my other show yelling at me because I went off on this big rant on Saturday. And um and here's my biggest problem with golf right now is golf is golf right now is in an era that every other sport says they want to be in. Every sport, every commissioner, every sport always says, what do they want? They want parity. They want any team can win. Any team can win at any time. And right now, golf is at the point where any guy can basically win any major. Scotty Scheffler gets red hot, wins the Masters, walking away. That next, next major comes up, dude can't even make the cut. So literally, like, we're in that era where you have multiple guys have, you know, listen, Rory's got four, but it's been a, almost it's a been decade a now since Rory was, was – you know, winning those four Brooks Kepka has four, but again, now he's the one off. we're closest to because there was that two yeah. year window where everyone feared him going yes. into a tournament. But even then now it's been about four years, three and a half, four years, especially with COVID that, that, Bro that Brooks has been like, Holy crap. It is, yeah. it is peak powers. Spieth's got three. Uh, but again, it's been, it seems like Spieth is just, it's a miracle if he makes a cut and is incompetitive because the, the yips in his head, and, and then, and you know, and then you have a bunch of guys with two and now JT credit to John, uh, Justin Thomas for making it into that group of two Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, JT, uh, who are in that group of two, uh, that you say, all right, maybe one of those guys, I am a, I firmly believe if you love golf and golf is your favorite sport, then you do love this era of golf. You really do. Because 
you could turn the TV and you're getting, you know, guys, young, these young guys, Will Zalator, Scotty Scheffler, these young guys all have chances. John Rahm is fun to watch and you never know when he could pop off. He was world number one for a long time. Like, but again, I think personally for the casual fan and if the commissioners of the league and the, and the, 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 the people who actually look at the ratings and the money coming in, all of them would say parody is terrible. Like golf would golf will make so much more money and be so much more talked about. If Rory was going for major number eight yesterday, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. If Rory was you need the if, hero and the villain dynamic. Yeah. I mean, what tiger did for uh-huh. sport was undeniable because yes. everyone tuned in all the time and you don't even, they don't need to win all the time but they need to always be in the mix. Yes. Give you that like glimpse like of, uh, you know, exactly hope that they're going to win. And the fact that Tom, the fact that Tiger is a lot like Tom Brady in that way where, and LeBron James, I think they're very similar and they're all in their own right. And especially in the eras, they've kind of all dominated over the last 20 years where you say, I hated Tiger when I was younger. Cause you're like, dude, this guy just wins everything. But as you get older, you start to really appreciate how dominant he is and incredible. Same with LeBron. I hated LeBron for the first 10 years of his career. But then after eight straight finals, you start to realize we're never going to see anything like this again. Same with Tom Brady. I was a Peyton Manning guy, Oreos and, 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 you know, Papa John's pizza. And you hate Tom Brady and the, and the new England East coast Patriots. But now I love Tom Brady. Like, again, you're, you, you realize we're never going to see anything like this again. Golf had two eras where they were undeniably crushing it in the ratings and in the popularity and in the casual people. Like I said to my co-host this morning, she's a uh, 10 years older than me. Mama two, no, does not really watch golf, but she knows Tiger Woods. She knows Phil Mickelson. She knows Arnold Palmer. She knows Jack, like Jack Nicholas. But I said, it was like, Justin Thomas just won his second major. She has no idea who he is. And I was like, what about exactly. Dustin Johnson? Dustin Johnson who's married to Paulina, you know, kind of celebrity, no idea who he is. And I'm like, but, I said to her, I was like, if Justin Thomas wins four of the next seven majors and over the next, you know, two years, I mentioned to him his name to you like multiple times. So like, okay, well then I'll start to know who he is like that to get the average casual fan, like enthralled with the sport dynasties, like Alabama and college football right now, the Patriots over the last 20 years, LeBron James, they are good for the sport. So I get it. Avid golf fans, you love the parody of it, but I will say that the parody era in golf right now is just not good for golf. Yeah, now I can I can absolutely see that argument. It's good and it's bad. It's good for the diehard fans in in some respects. Uh, for the casual yeah. fans, as you mentioned, to get that draw, uh, there's definitely some argument there to be had uh, about needing one or two of those dominant players. And it it's I mean it's been fun to watch, obviously, over the past couple of years to see some of these guys, um, you know, really come to yeah. form and you know like you mentioned john rom he's someone that's easy to root for and things like that but no i totally agree couldn't agree more on so that front i think the final point i didn't make my final point in that but it was like um the two eras where golf was really great was when they had arnold arnold palmer jack nicholas and gary player three guys who all won i think nine majors or more like going back and forth back and forth they won every major because then it was like you had your favorites and you just you know what I mean? you picked out of the three kind of like roger Nadal and Joe. I was gonna exactly. I was same just gonna exact, say that. I mean, I mean, imagine what happens when those guys are, you know, done. Same exact thing. You turn it because all they just win everything, and you pick and you pick your favorite. And eventually, Jack stood head and shoulders above the rest. And even Tiger had Phil a little bit, but Tiger also just won so much that it was overwhelming. And so you don't need necessarily just one alpha apex predator. It's great if you do, but having two or three. I mean, if Brooks. Rory and JT can win. If those three could go on a run where they win five of the next eight majors, even just the three of them, like that's great for golf better than Will Zalatoris winning this one. The next time being another random one person winner, you know what I mean? Colin Morikawa going on a run and winning three of the next four would be great for golf. Like those type of, those type of things for the casual fan. I, that's the point I, you know, the final point I was trying to make. Yeah. And even, you know, in uh to bring things back to football real quick, as we kind of springboard ourselves into the larger conversation of the day, um, football's, you know, very similar to where even, even though amongst the parody um, there have been those dynasties and if they win a quarter of the time, they're considered, you know, a dynasty yeah. and an absolute powerhouse 
you know, Tom Brady has been in the Super Bowl over half his career and won it, what, about 40% of his career, which is, that, I mean, that's remarkable, but it's less than half. And yet still, he's like the figure of, man, this guy never loses. Yeah. So it's interesting, like the NFL is the sport of parody and at the same time has been able to sustain some of the greatest dynasties yep. and some of these players that like, it's just, um, it's interesting kind of how that works. For instance, Tiger can only win four tournaments all year of the, you know, 30, but if he wins the, the big four, it's all then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that, it's, it's the same incredible. thing. I mean, it's, it's hard to compare individual sports and team sports in a lot of ways, but this is it one is. way you can compare it. I would say too, like, Look at the NBA. I mean, the NBA, when it's had its dominant decades, when it was stole headlines, was Michael Jordan, the Bulls in the 90s, Magic and, and, and Larry in the 80s, Celtics, Lakers. Those are dynasties. And then LeBron versus Steph and the Warriors. I mean, that five-year stretch. Some people got bored of it, but it was easy for the casual fans to get involved in. And, yes, the diehards maybe got bored of it, but the ratings, the talk on a national level was never higher because – Everyone felt like they knew who was involved. You know the players. You don't have to relearn everything every year. We consume sports in such a way where it's easy for us to learn new people and, right. and to get yeah, into it. Because we know a lot more about yeah. the, the players in the league to a, a deeper level. And, you know, and golf, like backups. tennis or like NASCAR, NASCAR is the same way. NASCAR in his peak years when it's like, oh, well, you know, you had uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon all battling against Dale Earnhardt Jr. And I mean, like you had these big names and, and like, and now it's like finding the new stars and, and the Jimmy won seven, you know, NASCAR championships in a, uh, in a, you know, a, a, like 11 year window. I mean, it was dominant. Jimmy Johnson was, was that guy. And it was who can knock off Jimmy Johnson. So it's the same, same type of thing. I, I just, um, uh, I think, I think the, the people all say they want parody but I do think if you talk to the heads of these leagues, they all get having an either a giant villain or a giant hero is way better for their ratings and their coverage nationally. No doubt. No doubt. And we got to give a shout out to uh, uh, a loyal listener of the show, Mr. John Burton, who, uh, you know, posed an, an idea uh, for the show. And so that's what we're running with here today. Yeah. And uh, that is kind of a draft look back at the 2018 NFL draft. We've talked numerous times about how it takes uh, a few seasons to really be able to grade and decipher how a draft panned out, especially the first round of a draft. So we're going to look back at, at 2018, the first round, and then some nuggets from the later rounds and kind of see what some teams were able to find in terms of gems in the later rounds. It's an interesting draft looking back on it. I, I haven't really spent too much time outside of, obviously we always talk about quarterback draft yeah. classes, but to look at it beyond that, uh, it was really interesting. So looking forward to that. That'll come up in just a few minutes. But I know, Mark, that uh, we kind of wanted to address uh, something that we alluded to last week, which was that the NFL was going to be meeting with Deshaun Watson and his camp. Uh, we obviously don't have a, a decision from the NFL yet. They're likely going to wait until yeah. uh, at the very earliest, you know, June uh, let alone probably could wait as late as July if they wanted to, to make a decision on whether or not a suspension's coming. But you had a good point uh, of kind of how the current trial that's kind of being watched uh, across the globe with uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and how that kind of could spell, you know, potential trouble for just the entire situation that Sean Watson finds himself in. So yeah, I'll, I'll kind of let you take the floor on uh, on how this could play out given what we're seeing right now. Well, all of it to me starts with the fact that everyone in the world of sports. So, you know, we're not ESPN. We're not, you know, you and I aren't on, uh, you know, Fox sports one. And like, as far as I know, and yeah. millions of listeners having to give our opinion and they want our opinion. But when you do a, a sports show, like I do on my Saturdays, we do here and you, you know, obviously with your coverage at, at your station as well, people ask you like, what would you do with Deshaun Watson? And for me, it comes down to, so much about like, what do I want to be associated with? And if I'm putting myself in the shoes of the NFL, I am looking harshly at what's going on with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard right now, because basically that is what Deshaun Watson is going to have to go through 22 times. 
He has he will not serve jail. That's already been decided. We we've noted that. But he has to face in court each one of these accusers in a basically he said she said 22 times. And you're seeing what's coming out of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard stuff. Now, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are two giant movie stars and have a national and a global reach. What Deshaun Watson will go through will not have the global reach as far as the TikToks and stuff. You see it be talked about in in Europe and all that stuff. Uh, But at the sports level and the media coverage of it, it absolutely will be. You're already seeing um, what, what what really made me start humming through and making this decision was pro football talk. Um, they already covered some of it just during the um, defa- the defamation trials, the uh, de- depositions, excuse me, yep. before the first trial that he has um, with uh, Ashley Solis, who was a uh, physical uh, uh, trainer. And in this, they come out and say, Deshaun Watson has already admitted under oath saying he sent text messages to her apologizing for her crying after one of their sessions saying, quote, in the text message, sorry about you feeling uncomfortable. Never were the intentions. Let me know if you want to work together in the future. When the, when the judge asked Watson uh, under oath, again, this is all under oath, why he sent those text messages, Watson says, well, yes, because she was teary-eyed and I was trying to figure out what was going on. So I assumed that she was uncomfortable in whatever reason. And we talked about working in the future and so I said, we can work in the future. Just let me know. And then I sent my apologies for whatever reason she was teary-eyed for. Like, I mean, we're all adults. We're not dumb. Why in God's green earth, unless she just got a text that, like, her dog got hit by a car. Right, or yeah. Her, or just, her, like, spontaneously her burst into tears. Yeah, her parents getting um, divorced. You know what I mean? Like, right, why right. would she be teary-eyed? During a mis- like, I mean, come on, we're not dumb. We're like, so again, Deshaun Watson will not serve jail time for any of this, but he will have to go through what Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are going through: actual trials of of juries and people, and making weighing in on he said, she said, and evidence like this will spill out from every one of these accusers. So, if I'm the NFL, just like the movie studios looking at Johnny Depp and Amber Heard saying. Do I really want to cast Amber Heard? No matter what the trial, it comes to trial. They could both be found. Listen, n- no one's getting awarded anything. You And that, to me, most likely what that is, if you've been following the trial, to me, it's very clear. These two people should not be together. They should have never been together. They both clearly can't handle relationships. They both have jealousy and drug problems, and uh, yet, or at least did at the time, alcohol problems. And neither one of them uh, should probably date. A lot of instability. <laughs> yeah, you know sure. what I mean? And with yeah. Deshaun Watson and this, I mean, it's it's clear that Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, from the 22 people and what we're already seeing is the dude was making some, at, at, at the bare minimum, he was alluding to and trying to get some things that only shady people do in those situations when they're alone with women in a room, at the bare minimum. And so the Cleveland Browns clearly are very comfortable with Deshaun Watson and all of that coming out and being laid on them. You're giving this guy $230 million and this, 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 he said and did all this. Cause this is going to come out. They have text messages. They're going to have DMS. They're going to have all of this stuff on record. But if I'm the NFL, do I want Deshaun Watson game winning drive against the Steelers in week eight on Monday night football and then on Tuesday, he's in court for accuser number seven saying, oh, I was crying because I got this picture sent to me in this DM. Like, right. if I'm the NFL, I do not want to be in that business at all. And so if you ask me, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, I would suspend Deshaun Watson for as long as the trials are going on. I would say, until these trials are over, I do not want you associated with the National Football League, and the National Football League is the king. And Deshaun Watson didn't play last year. Did it hurt ratings? No. Did it matter overall to to the NFL's product? Absolutely not. But Deshaun Watson playing and these things happening and coming out at the same time could absolutely hurt some ratings 
and could absolutely hurt the image and the and the and the thing in the NFL. Now, if you want to say that's not fair to Deshaun, he's innocent till proven guilty, whatever. Fine, you can say that, but it's also a free country, and this is them as a private business have the right to say we don't want to be associated with X, Y, and Z headlines and everything Correct. that's going on. The Browns clearly want to be associated with it. They don't care. And to me, that says a lot about the Browns and their low self-esteem, and I've gone on that rant before. So if I was the NFL, I would suspend him as long as these trials were going on. And I would urge the trials to happen as quickly as possible, get through it, and say good luck to you. But as soon as these trials are done and you have a verdict on all 22 and, and you've paid out or won, I don't care if you've won every trial. It's not We don't owe you to play in the National Football League. It's a privilege. We don't want to be associated with you while this is going on. That's what I would do if I was the league. And and some people may say I'm crazy for that. But, again, if I'm Roger Goodell, I act within the best interest of the Shield in protecting the Shield and protecting the brand. I think it's really bad branding to have Deshaun Watson possibly winning a game on a national stage. And the next day he's in a, he's in a court in Houston dealing with, why did you send these lewd text messages to this trainer? Yeah. I just, that that's, and, and we've and already heard that it's quite possible that none of the trials even begin until next March, which is yeah. somewhere. So, and, and as you mentioned, like the depositions have already begun. So this could be another almost full year before the trials even begin. And then it's like, it's 22 of them. Let's just say half end up being, you know, full blown legitimate trials where the others maybe get settled before that point or whatever comes of it. Uh, you're talking about double digit trials beginning in, you know, early spring uh, going then clearly into the off season and into the training camps and OTAs and all of that. 2023, 2024. This could be a multi-season deal. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. I mean, I don't, I, it'd be a bad look on the NFL at this point. If, if he doesn't get, you know, suspended for the year, uh, for the season and just for them to say, you know, we need, to, this needs to be resolved before you could play again. Um, and let's not pretend like the owners wouldn't be in favor of this. All Absolutely. the owners want Cleveland, punish Cleveland to reap the benefit or the, the consequences of a 230 million fully down, fully guaranteed deal that has reset the market, uh, against their, well wishes and obviously and we you know even talking about the owners daniel snyder now too seems to be very close to potentially being pushed out by the rest of league's owners too about time about time it's finally about time i mean this has been something since the late 90s uh that that have that you know many of the league and and obviously a lot of the fans have been clamoring for so it's just it, there's a lot it's a lot and uh, and now that Cleveland has also screwed itself, and this is why I mentioned how it was the the riskiest move they could possibly make. Yeah, because if this doesn't pan out for them, they're totally screwed because they lost their quarterback that won them games and won a playoff game for them for the first time in twenty two seasons. So, I mean, now now you don't have Deshaun and you don't have Baker either. You know, I mean, they do, but is it really going to work out to the point where he's playing games for them? Uh, you know, I'm not so sure. So it's just one of really those tough situations. It's just one of those things where, again, it comes down to, if you're sitting there yelling at us when you're listening to this, that innocent to proven guilty, blah, 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 blah. That's fine. But that's again, true. Take yeah, it, that doesn't change any of this. Take it from the perspective of the league. You have to think of the league. Do they want to be associated with this type of headlines for all of this time, and they've proven the NFL waits for no one. The NFL does not need Deshaun Watson at all. The NFL yeah. succeeded without Deshaun Watson last year pretty darn okay. You got a bunch of new quarterbacks coming in every year. All the quarterback movement. The NFL does not need Deshaun Watson. The Browns are going to fight tooth and nail to keep him. The Browns are a terrible organization that have made a terrible contract deal, in my opinion, and it will, it will, I think it will set the Browns back for years to come. I, I believe that. And, and that's saying something because the Browns is not, aren't exactly great. Now, all I'm saying, from my opinion, if I was in charge of the league, I'd be very firm on this. I'd be very strong on this. If you are dealing with any sort of headlines 
that are going to be causing disruptions to the progress of the NFL that it's making with women, with, uh, with uh, you know, all of the other sort of minority groups as well that they're trying to do, and just in general hurting the shield and the branding. Like I said, imagine we're going to have to talk about it. Week 10, Deshaun Watson. The Browns are 9-1, and one, and he just had a great drive to win it. But where's Deshaun Watson? Well, he's missing camp. He's missing practice today because he's in a Houston courtroom dealing with the fact that he sent uh, this picture and this text to this to this trainer, and, you know, it's, it's ruined her life, and she's seeking damages for it. Like, that is not the business I want to be in the NFL. I don't give a crap what Cleveland promised you in your contract, and I'm just going to be – I'd be very blatant with them. I'd be like, listen, it's a privilege to play in the National Football League. And if you're innocent and you, and, and, and you're basically saying, you, you know, if Deshaun Watson saying I'm innocent, I didn't do any of these things and you're ruining my career. Like, listen, pal, I'm sorry, but I'd rather ruin your one career than damage the brand of the league. Like I, I, I hate to say it. Like if I'm in charge of the NFL, that's the risk I'm willing to take with this. It is absolutely the risk I'm willing to take with this. And clearly, in my opinion, there is enough there that you're not exactly an innocent party in any of this. A lot like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Sure. It may not be 100% what these women are claiming. Again, we don't know. Let's go to the trials and find out. But already from just the one deposition from the first pretrial, yeah. there's some pretty concerning things that are coming out that I don't necessarily want to be associated with. Cleveland apparently doesn't have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. Brown's going to Browns. And uh, that's... That's a, a good lead into uh, to the 2018 draft. Speaking yeah. of the Browns and Baker Mayfield, he's obviously the headliner of this draft. So, uh, you, you know, we talked, obviously, you, you need a couple of years to evaluate. We've had four full seasons. These uh, first-round picks have gone through their four-year rookie contracts, and some have gotten extended. Some have had their fifth-year options picked up. Some have had their fifth-year options declined. And then uh, some of these players in the later rounds uh, have, you know, made their teams look really, really smart uh, in, in finding some gems in the mid to late round. So let's get through it. Let's go uh, one through 10 right now in the first round and uh, give our thoughts on that one overall Baker Mayfield to the Cleveland Browns. Of course, uh, number two was the New York Giants selecting Saquon Barkley. Sam Darnold goes at number three to the New York Jets. Uh, Denzel Ward, the corner, going to Cleveland at number four. Denver comes in at number five, gets Bradley Chubb. Quentin Nelson, already an all-pro several times, uh, the guard to Indianapolis. Buffalo gets Josh Allen, Roquan Smith to your Chicago Bears. Mike McGlinchey, the tackle, going to San Francisco. And Josh Rosen, quarterback to Arizona as the top ten. Uh, how would you say these things worked out? Uh, obviously we've kind of stated our Baker Mayfield, you know, it's not terrible. Yeah. Also not what you want out of your number one overall pick. You hope that they're, they're the longtime franchise quarterback. Obviously Browns didn't pick up his fifth year option. Listen, I, I mean, I I've said it from day one. I thought it was a mistake to draft Baker Mayfield. Uh, now I'm on record saying they should take in Sam Darnold. I thought Josh Allen, you're trying to think back to, how I felt about Josh Allen 2018, I felt uh, that he had that he was that high ceiling guy, but I certainly wasn't standing for Josh Allen to go number one overall. So I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I did, but I think retroactively we can all agree that Cleveland, New York, New York, Cleveland, Denver, and Indy all made a mistake not drafting Josh Allen for sale. Like as much as people like the Bears yeah. passed on Patrick Mahomes, it should be noted the Browns passed on Josh Allen twice. Both New York teams passed on Josh Allen. Uh, Denver, who's been quarterback starved, and Indy. Now, Indy, to be fair, still had Andrew Luck at this time. So, I, to be fair, and they drafted yeah. Quentin Nelson, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. So, like, I'm not going to be too hard on Indy. But the Browns, the Jets, the Giants, and the Broncos should all get now that retroactive crap that the Bears get crap for not drafting uh, Patrick Mahomes. They should get that for not drafting Josh Allen. If they redid this draft, he would be the surefire number one overall pick. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think it's even close. I think Lamar Jackson would probably be number two overall. If you look at it, Quentin Nelson uh, could certainly be, you can make the case for three at that point in time. 
Uh, no other quarterbacks really worth a, a first round pick at all. Maybe Baker yeah, Mayfield, yeah. depending on your organization, where you're at, um, at the time and you know, how you feel like he could fit in your system. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's absolutely worth the criticism that, uh, that they, that they didn't take Josh Allen. Josh Allen has been electric. Now it's funny. If you look at the stats, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield have played in 60 games for Baker, 61 for Josh. Um, Josh Allen has thrown for 11 yards less than Baker Mayfield, but he's thrown for 10 more touchdowns and a 10 less interceptions. And he's run, he's run the ball for 1800 yards more than Baker Mayfield. And he's run for 26 more touchdowns (laughs) than Baker Mayfield. 31 rushing touchdowns already for Josh Allen. That's wild. Which is 10 more than Lamar Jackson. And he's only 600 yards less rushing than Lamar Jackson. So, and meanwhile, again, if you go to the touchdowns, he's thrown for more touchdowns. He's thrown for more interceptions. Lamar's only thrown 31 interceptions compared to Josh with with 46. But he's asked to throw the ball a lot more. And Lamar Jackson has thrown um, for what? Uh, Almost almost, uh, how many yards less? Uh, you know, give or take about 600 yards less than Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. So uh, Josh Allen is by far, I mean, the most productive and and, and star quarterback in this draft and uh, would be a surefire number one overall um, yeah. uh, if you went back in time. Totally agree. And, you know, at the time, I, I got to admit, I, I didn't think he was going to pan out very much. Um, just at Wyoming, I think he completed something like 51% of his passes. It just didn't seem yeah. like the accuracy was good enough. He had the arm strength. That was clear. But his athleticism was so much greater than I think anyone even knew. Yeah. And then his accuracy kind of, you know, he was able to put it all together at the NFL level. Of the top 10, you, you, can, you could say, you know, every one of those picks to an extent has worked out except for Josh Rosen. Because yeah, Saquon, the talent is there. You know, his rookie year is sensational. Uh, he's just had the injury bug. And, you know, sometimes that's hard to, I guess, I, I guess we could say Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold would be the two that haven't really. Sam Darnold has not uh, worked out. Because Denzel I, Ward got his extension. He kind of, you know, helped break the mold for corners. Really yeah. talented corner. Bradley Chubb is obviously, we know how good he is as a pass rusher. Quentin Nelson, all pro. Roquan Smith's been great he likely will get extended by Chicago or he's got to get a big payday somewhere. He should be. He's Uh, been a, he's been a home run. Phenomenal. Yeah. And and then McGlinchey has been a solid tackle. You know, he's, he's, yeah. uh, He's he's part of a great system there in, in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. I would, you know, the top 10 uh, worked out pretty well. Sam Darnold already on team two. Uh, Josh Rosen. He is out of the league. He's out of the league, right? At this point. Uh, Yeah. It's funny because, the 2018 draft, when you start to look at it now, and I think history will will say a lot about this, is where a lot of the NFL changed in the sense that Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are now what people are looking for at quarterback. I mean, yeah. the reason the yeah. reason that Trey Lance got drafted third overall and San Francisco traded all of the their picks was because of Josh Allen. He is the, he was the me, the measurables. You start to say to yourself, doesn't matter if you complete 50 percent of your passes. Are you tall, have a giant arm and can run the yeah, football and will mold the quarterback into yeah. being the and Josh Allen grew, but Josh Allen, I think the difference is what, and it's going to make him special. And he's going to be, he's on the track to be a hall of famer is that he has adapted so well to the culture of Buffalo and also just learning the game, like learn, like Josh Allen. Now, if you throw the ball 35 times, then be like, okay, as a rookie, you're like, good God, never throw the ball more than 20 times with Josh Allen. But now you're like, no, no, Josh Allen, go win the game. A lot of that is his own mental development. So I would argue, but again, Josh Rosen was, he. this will be the last year and kind of the, the death of the pocket quarterback still like, you know, you kind of want to find the guy that's like a Josh Rosen, like a Matt Ryan, like a Jared Goff, pocket passer, 6'2", 6'3", really accurate, multiple year starter and you immediately can be like all right let's grab that west coast system and we'll just we'll just throw the ball dink and dunk and and accuracy will win us you know it's been the death of yeah, that yeah and josh rosen is a great example because he's a no oh man josh, what is that 
I got some uh, tornado warnings, I guess. Oh, my God. South Carolina. Uh, come on and raise up. 350 on Monday, May 23rd. Dan Vasco's death alarm sign. That's, that's right. That's right. Knock on wood. I'm going to knock on wood that that you that's you're going to be okay. Always, uh, always got to stay on our toes. That was crazy. I thought it might have been me because, you know, I'm at the radio station. We do a lot of those, uh, you know, uh, near the National Weather Service. You know, we have to broadcast all that stuff. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's a, you can look back and interestingly say, you know, the reason that Lamar, the reason that we thought Malik Willis could go in the first round is because of Lamar Jackson. Everyone's like, oh, he's just an athlete. Go get an athlete and you can make teach him to play quarterback. So Lamar and, and, and Josh are very much in this 2018 draft is, has set up the next kind of five to six years of what people are looking for at the quarterback position. And conversely, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen are now are and are are very much warnings of don't go for the guy who's just the pure pocket passer and 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 don't and and the death of the undersized accurate guy. I mean Sam Howell, if Baker Mayfield would have won a Super Bowl and art, you know, and, and got like Sam Howell would have been drafted higher. But because Baker Mayfield is kind of flat with him sam howell goes in the sixth round like it, it's it's uh certainly a telltale cautionary sign i will say though saquon barkley to me deserves a lot of criticism as well because of where he has been drafted you know what i mean sure, like, yeah because he went number two overall i don't care like the injuries be damned like your number two overall has to be an all pro for, like i mean look at we're talking about quint nelson roquan smith uh, guys who are, uh, as you mentioned, Denzel Ward, Josh Allen, guys who are earning first team, second team, third team, all pros, and you're building your franchises around them. Top 10 picks should be that. And so I do think Saquon Barkley deserves criticism because, again, where Gettleman drafted him. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, you know, part of it is your draft stock, which you can't control, but it, it does uh, factor into, um, how we evaluate the pick itself. And yeah. uh, obviously he's still young. Uh, he was 21 when he was drafted. Um, but, you know, it's kind of, it's the same thing with Christian McCaffrey. It's like, you got to do it this year. Otherwise it's, it's becoming uh, a really problematic trend. Well, your career uh, is just going to here. You know what I mean? I, I, that running back spot, you're, as we mentioned, you're, if it does not this year, your career is just over. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't get uh, enough chances anymore. If, yeah. if this was 30 years ago, you would get as many chances uh, to make it work, uh, especially with how talented they've proven to be. But nowadays with the number of great running backs that you can find in the second, third, fourth, fifth round, what, et cetera, uh, it's just, it's not a, um, it, it, it's not something that the teams want to, you know, yeah. waste their time on when they could uh, pay someone else uh, for cheap uh, at such a young age. Minka Fitzpatrick is the first to go into the second tier 10. I'd say that worked out pretty well. Um, even for Miami, uh, he was, yeah. uh, he played very Fair well trade. for Miami. Um, and, and obviously things are going well in, in Pittsburgh with him as one of the top free safeties, he should likely get, um, uh, a market setting deal, uh, sometime this off season. So I will say, but my, that that's, again, it's just one of those classic bad franchises, Jacksonville, Miami, uh, teams that. Hey, you draft a really good player. Why can't you keep problem. a really good player? Like keep your good players, you know, and I get, yeah. they got good value for them in return, but it's just one of those things like open door stuff for bad franchises is bad. I'll say I made a note Vita Vea 12th overall. Uh Oh, Dan is currently talking with his credible girlfriend. She's urging him to seek shelter. Okay. Well, it looks like I may only have like 25 minutes or so until this thing. Uh, Sing hits. Do you got to seek shelter? This thing comes through. Yeah. So. All right. Well, wait, uh, sorry. We're, wait, we, I mean, we got some time to, to get through the rest of this here. I'll just say, I was saying Vita Vea. I mean, with now retroactively, I mean, what a great pick for Tampa. He was instrumental in that Super oh, sure. Bowl. Again, you know, you win a Super Bowl and you have a guy that you draft in the first round really help you win that Super Bowl. He just 
he was part of what destroyed that makeshift, you know, Chiefs offensive line in that game. That that lands to me. Uh, anything else in the first you know, round that you wanted Jair to touch Alexander on? at eighteen to Green Bay was obviously a phenomenal pick. Yes, uh, you know they're you know, like we talk about certain teams like uh, you know the Patriots with offensive linemen, the Steelers with wide receivers. Green Bay drafts corners pretty well. I mean they they've they've done a good yeah. job in the secondary over the years. Uh, Jair Alexander was another good one. Dallas with Leighton Vanderesh. That's a tough one to gauge because he was so good early on. He had some injuries. Yeah. Kind of switched up his role as like, you weren't sure if they wanted him as like an edge rusher or more of like an interior linebacker. It seems like he's settling in again. And, um, and you know, if he stays healthy, he could be one of those, you know, Sean Lee types that sticks around for quite a while for them. Other than that, I mean, DJ Moore is a really good pick late in the first round. I was uh, gonna. Just, I was gonna say Carolina. wide receivers. It's funny because think about how many wide receivers have gone the last two drafts. Right. First yeah. round in 2018, you only had two. DJ Moore was the first in in round one, and now is picked 24, followed closely by Calvin Ridley at 23. Both are you know uber talented. Obviously, Calvin Ridley's gonna miss this whole year, but he'll still have a really good career when he comes back. And, and then I was to end with you know Sony Michelle. Bad pick for the for the Patriots. I know he helped them win a Super Bowl, but has again when you're getting a first round running back, it's just not something you do. And you look back and like they didn't get much else out of him or even trade value for him eventually. And then um uh funny, the Baltimore drafts Hayden Hurst in the first round before Lamar Jackson, and Hayden Hurst ends up down in Atlanta. Right. And then yeah, they yeah. they find they find their real tight end, uh, Mark Andrews in the third round. What a steal in the third and round! And their All Pro left tackle Orlando Brown. <laughs> Orlando Brown, and it's the funny the Ravens the Ravens again just showing you how to draft. I mean, you get Lamar Jackson, uh, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown. Um, it you know really was a unique draft for them. Well, and talk about some other players that would have gone top 10. Darius Leonard going well, uh, in the second round to, to yes, Indy here. Uh, absolutely. And Nick Chubb to the Browns. I mean, like for how bad maybe the Browns, we'd say, like screwed up uh, the number one overall pick when they should have taken Josh Allen. They hit a home run with getting Nick Chubb in, to start the second round as well as their center, absolutely. Austin Corbett. Absolutely. Those, Nick Chubb would be, in, in a redo of this draft, would be a first rounder. Absolutely. Um, I also think that um, Christian Kirk, the wide receiver that went to Arizona, he would have moved up into the first round. I think he's the best of the wide receivers we talked about so far. You say still has really, a high. I, see, I, I would take uh, DJ Moore, I think, as the best. I think so I, I have a feeling Christian Kirk's going to have a really big year. I, I have a feeling that when yeah. he gets to be the, the kind of the guy, I think he'll handle that load well. It remains to be seen. Um For sure. But as far as other guys go, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, I think Mark Andrews would be a first-round pick. Baltimore got him in the third round. Oh, easily. Absolutely. Um, a home run pick right there. I will uh, say the other things I wanted to mention as far as the second round goes, classic Bears. Bears find Roquan Smith, and he, and he they absolutely should lock him up. He should be their linebacker of the future. He should be the next Bears linebacker that you, that you talk about, you know, ring of honor, Hall of Fame type stuff the way his career's trajectory can continue to go. And then they get James Daniels in the second round, which again, it, it just, again, drives me crazy. Reminds me of why the bleep did they not keep a guy like that? And Ryan yeah, Poles, yeah. he's got to own up to why he didn't keep a guy like that. Cause I think he's going to continue to go on and have a really solid career for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and then the Anthony Miller draft, you know, draft pick in the second round, the bears had two second rounders in 18 um, with Daniels and then Anthony Miller, everyone is on you about all oh, the Bears didn't draft a wide receiver in the second round. Well, the last time they drafted a wide receiver in the second round with Anthony Miller in 18, he flamed out. I mean, like a solid player. He's in Pittsburgh. Maybe he can he can redeem himself a little bit, but you just never know. You just never know. And then you look at some of the wide receivers taken, you know, later in the third round. Michael Gallup is a third rounder for Dallas. Um and then I have a couple guys uh, to be mentioned here who's now actually on the Bears. You know, the Packers, in the fifth round, last pick, they get Marquez Valdez-Scantley. 
And he's now a huge part of their offense. And then the Packers in the sixth round take Equiminius St. Brown, who Scantley and Brown have been instrumental. And neither are on the team now because, yeah. uh, you know, MVS is in Kansas City. And I forget, did yes. St. Brown? Where did he's Saint in Brown Chicago. Go? He's Here's in Chicago. In, okay, that's right. That's right. And so, again, the Packers in fifth and sixth round find these two wide receivers who now go on. Did you argue that, yeah, every Bears fan would rather have Marquez Valdez-Scantley or Equiminius St. Brown over yeah. Anthony Miller right now? Well, they were found in the fifth and sixth round. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, or Michael Gallup, for sure. Uh, you know, you, you, you stop on like, oh, you got to take a wide receiver in the second round. Well, a lot like the running backs, it's finding the right guy at the right, at, at, you know, it, and when he falls you at the right pick. Yeah, not to mention, you know, like in, in the second and third round, you're still looking for guys that are going to be, you know, multi-year starters for you and, yeah. and productive athletes. Washington with Darius Geis in the second round thought they were going to get their next, you know, franchise running back guy played five career games. Yeah. Brutal. And he, and it was out of the league instantly. Like he, he, he had some injuries that, that kept him out, but yeah. And now he's out of the league that quickly. Um, I remember that, that was a guy that, you know, everyone thought was going to break out sooner rather than later didn't pan out for them. And they spent an early second round on him. Um, Breland you know, and there's, there's quite a few Kansas. guys, you know, in, in this draft class that are, that still stuck around, but like someone like Boston Scott, yeah. who's a sixth round pick to the Eagles. He has been productive. I think he scored like seven touchdowns for them last year. Um, well, there, you have- there are some of these gems that can be found even in the seventh round, Mark. I, I you know, there were a couple names that yeah. uh, jumped out to me um, in, uh, in, in the lay rounds of here, uh, Justin Jackson, was almost Mr. Irrelevant, and he's been a very solid backup running back in uh, in L.A. with the Chargers and uh, and has been, you know, quite productive and hung on to that role for now four seasons where we know being a running back is a, a tough thing in the NFL. To be a seventh-round running back and make it, that that's pretty impressive. Yeah, the Bears in the fifth round found Belial Nichols. I mean, he's a yeah. guy that is, you know, played 60 games for them, 11 sacks, the defensive tackle position, um, you know, uh, Michael Dickin, uh, Dixon, the Seattle takes the punter in the fifth round. Well, he started 65 games for him. Yeah. Like if that's what it takes, you know what I mean? Like you, you, again, you're, you queeze when you're like, oh, my team took a punter in the fifth round. Well, if you just start 65 games for you, then yeah, you take a guy in the fifth round is going to start. You know what I mean? There's a couple others. Um, Siren, Cuisenberry, you know, the center interior line. Yeah, he, he had like one or two years where he was a the starter, but a really good, back up and for the you know fifth round you'll take you know o-line depth at that pick for sure yeah and i mean and then there's trust me there's plenty of guys in the early rounds who who don't pan out like i was gonna say breland uh speaks the kansas city the dn out of missouri uh, sorry in mississippi that dude you start him you think oh kansas city yeah you need a dn you get a guy in the second round that's great dude starts 16 games records uh you know zero one point five sacks like, yeah, and yeah. he's out of the league. You know what I mean? Like, so you just, you just never know. And, um, uh, you, like you mentioned with Darius Geis, that's why it's, it, you do have to, t- we, and it's cliche to say it. You do have to look back and say, what happened to these guys? And, um, I think it's crucial to, it's crucial to remember when your team is looking in the first round, um, as much as I want to be really critical, you can look back and say how critical of Arizona, Josh Rosen, they immediately fixed their mistake. Right. Like exactly. the next That's year true. they draft Kyler Murray and we're not talking about, we're not hammering the Cardinals. Are we? No, we're not at all. They didn't have a t- chance to take Josh Allen. He was taken before them. They took a guy and immediately realized he was not going to be the guy for them. And it's been rewarded by the fact that he couldn't land anywhere else, stick with any other team. And they went and got their guy. Now they got to figure out the contract with Kyler Murray. That's a whole nother issue. But um, Cleveland, it just goes to show you why it's frustrating. Again, I mean, harp on Cleveland with the Deshaun Watson thing. They could have drafted him the year before they didn't. The next year, they they pass on uh, better options with Lamar Jackson and, and uh, Josh Allen. Now, historically, we know that. The guy who they should probably just have run with this year and and started with Baker Mayfield, give him that fifth year. You're not paying him anyways, at least like with the bears. Hey, you got four years out of James Daniels as a starter and it was good time. And now you're not paying him anything. Like the Steelers are now paying the big bucks for him. You're going to go back to the well and say, let's go back 
for cheap, hopefully high productive offensive lineman out of the draft and they'll get a um, comp pick you know maybe as high as a third round comp pick for yeah them. and for the for the browns it's the same thing it's like it's just bad organizations making bad moves um you're you at least say now you you pay all that guaranteed money to deshaun watson and whereas you could have started baker mayfield this year and gone and got a guy in the draft next year like in this th- when you look back at drafts it's a good reminder of maybe not to overpay in free agency because you can always recorrect your mistake in next year's draft if you have draft capital. Yeah, that's very true. And, uh, you know, we're even talking with about the Cleveland Browns with uh, the contract for Nick Chubb, who, uh, who now is, you know, signed through 2024. Are they going to be able to give him another contract to, yeah. to be that guy? Um Maybe not. I mean, I I don't know. They'll, they'll be hard pressed to find room. Yeah. Um. And it's a running back. You can find others, but he's certainly you know one of the elites in the league. Uh. That's you know you you would want to pay for him, but yeah, with all of that money tied up, it's um, it's tough. But it, this this was interesting. I liked looking back and, and kind of I will seeing say, where some teams could have gone better, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but also where they went right. And we saw how dominant the Ravens were in this one. It was. Quite yeah. an impressive draft. I will say out of the out of all of these players drafted, you start to look, who are the players that are on the trajectory towards a Hall of Fame career? To me, there's really only four I feel comfortable saying. Josh Allen, Quentin Nelson, um, Roquan Smith, and Darius Leonard. I mean, and now you may say it's a little biased, like how can you not maybe include Jair Alexander or uh, Minka uh, yeah, Fitzpatrick? Yeah, I would say maybe Award. Minka too. Minka, but um, those guys with cornerback, it's so hard because we see how quickly they can fall off the face of the earth. You know what sure, I mean? Sure. Like sure. they're they're maybe they're okay. I'll argue those guys, those corners are on pace, but for corners to make it into a Hall of Fame corner, like it is much harder. Well, to Minka's see. a free safety, so it's, okay, it is yeah. a little bit different. But but, but just, yeah, like the Jair Alexander, um, Denzel Ward, really really good but they're going to have to be dominant for another like five years. It's easier for me to say Darius Leonard and Roquan Smith will continue this production for the next yeah. four to five years compared to those corners and safeties and free safeties. That is much yeah. harder for me to confidently say they could continue at that level of production. I feel confident saying Lamar Jackson and, and Josh Allen will continue at their level of production, putting them on the pace for and as well as Quint Nelson, like so, those would be the five that I would list. Um, and then those corners, of, you know, those defensive backs, they're close, but you know, we got to look back again in five years and feel out how the next part of their career goes. For sure, for sure. Yeah, this was a fun look back. Thank you, John Burton, uh, good coworker and friend of mine and friend of the show for uh, you know bringing this idea to us and uh, yeah, 2019 will be on the horizon. Then we'll be able to look back and, uh, yeah. and see how the 2019 draft panned out. And we always say we're, we're interested in, in any idea. So if you've got something that yeah. you want us to, to ponder about or go after, or you want to challenge us on a thought that we've had throughout the show, we love interacting through the, uh, through the uh, Facebook page. Hit us up, check us out on YouTube as well. Facebook, Twitter, all the good stuff. That'll do it for us here on the Football Lounge with our 2018 Draft Look Back episode. See you guys all very soon. Have a great week.